This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We are speaking today with Anoop Menon, a faculty member in Wharton's management department, uh, about a paper titled, What You Say Your Strategy Is and Why It Matters, Natural Language Processing of Unstructured Text. Also joining us is one of his co-authors on the paper, Jeho Choi, who's a doctoral student at Wharton. Uh, another co-author of their co-authors is Harris Tabakovich of the Brattle Group and Harvard Business School. Uh, Arup and Jeho, uh, thank you so much for joining us today in Knowledge at Wharton. Thank, thank you, you for having us, Marco. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, Anup, if we could start with you, I wonder if you could tell us what led you to e- explore this topic in your research. What was your objective? Absolutely. Um, so the notion that there is a lot of information that is buried in unstructured text, that's something that's been around for a while. Like We know that you know, strategy is very complicated, but we tend to measure it using very, quote-unquote, simple metrics, like a few financials here and there. But we all agree and understand there's a huge amount of information that is buried in text, like conference calls, annual reports, and whatnot, that really gets at the meat of the strategy, how the strategists are thinking, how they're thinking about competition, product market choices, and whatnot. And sadly, we currently don't have a really good technique or set of techniques to get at that information. So that was a starting point where, so on the one hand, we had that thought. And then my my co-author Harris and I, we came across this burgeoning line of research in computer science about this about six, seven years ago, which was using natural language processing techniques to extract text, but in very different fields, not ours. Like some application to political science here and there, but not at all to strategy. And so we just try to put the two and two together and say, we really should be able to take some of those techniques and get at the information that is buried in the text. Can we do that? So that's kind of how things got started. And Jill, I wonder if I could turn to you next to say, what exactly are these natural language processing techniques that Anoop was talking about? So in computer science, uh, they are trying to like uh, let machines understand human language. And natu- uh, natural language processing is the technique uh, that enables machines to learn uh, and understand uh, human languages uh, in, in for form uh for the machines, so uh, they have created a vast array of techniques uh, that um, do certain kinds of uh, tasks uh, in terms of understanding human language, and we are applying a few in our research uh, and making use of it. So the use of uh, natural language processing and artificial intelligence uh, in, in, in understanding uh, strategy seems to be a very interesting idea. Uh, what were some of the main takeaways? What did you learn in your research, Anup? Sure, uh, Mughal. So we've actually been very uh, pleasantly surprised by the amount of traction we were able to get. We weren't sure there would be much here. So what we did is we took the annual reports that publicly traded companies have to file and we extracted their description of who they are, their business description. And from there, we compared the changes that they make in their strategy across the years or their relative position in the marketplace with respect to their competition, how focused their strategies are. These are all like classic constructs in strategy, which 
till now, we didn't have a simple way to measure across industries. So if it's, say, airlines, we might have specific metrics, like, oh, the percentage of seats utilized per route or something like that to get at, you know, different aspects of strategy. But that would not apply to, say, cement. But now we are able to put all these firms in the same vector space model in some ways and see, oh, who is close to who? So we can see that, say, Pepsi, Coke, and Dr. Pepper, let's say, we can see how they move in the strategy space with respect to each other, the relative distance between them, and how that maps onto performance. So we're able to see and, let's say, verify some of the basic claims that strategy has made. The bigger the change you make across the years, the more dangerous it is in terms of your performance consequences. Or in terms of your positioning with respect to your rivals, it is good to be differentiated. Differentiation is good, as we talk about, but if you're too differentiated, you start losing legitimacy and your performance suffers. Or it's actually very important to be focused, but a certain degree of diversification is important for various reasons, but if you're too diversified, it's bad. So we we can actually put numbers on these constructs in a general way, measure these, visualize how firms are positioned with respect to each other, and then map that onto performance consequences and verify some of the claims that strategy has made till now. Okay. Uh, how did you go about conducting your research? Uh, what were some of the challenges in using natural language processing uh, to study strategy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in our research, we use a specific kind of corporate filing called the 10K annual reports. Uh, it's the uh, former reports uh, that are submitted to the SEC. Uh, by all public firms in the United States. Uh, uh, the SEC has uh, opened the access to this data set uh, since 1994, and uh, for the past 20, like, four or five years, uh, there has been a huge uh, data set that has been accrued uh, in their database. Uh, so some technical problems was to actually, like, download and, like, process and apply our natural language processing techniques uh, to these data sets. Oftentimes, unstructured uh, textual data is very, like, dirty in the sense. So we had to uh, tackle some, like, like encoding problems. Uh, we had some problems, like, applying some of our, like, core uh, techniques to these structured, uh, unstructured data as well. So it took us some time to actually uh, apply the techniques uh, that we uh, gleaned from the computer science community and apply it to our uh, textual data. Uh, I wonder, uh, can natural language processing help overcome some of the limitations of traditional analytic methods? And if so, how? That's a, that's a good question, something that we've actually mm. debated a fair bit. I firmly believe, yes, it can. Uh, what might be some examples? As I said at the beginnings, wh- how do we quantify analytic methods? What does that even mean? For the, Right now, for the most part, these are financial fundamentals that you can pull out from probably the Exhibit 21s of these annual filings or whatnot. But uh, that or um, you have detailed deep dives that either scholars or analysts or whoever do, they go really deep into the context, they talk to a bunch of industry participants and get a sense of what's going on. And that's a very high-touch method, which is not really scalable. Now, one of the hopes that we have with this technique is that we can straddle the two worlds there. It used to be either that you go simple, simple uh, financials or, say, word counts. We know that in a certain industry, say, nanotechnology is the hot new word. So you just count 
the number of nanotechnology instances and how they talk. And then you can plot that over time and say, oh, nanotechnology is trending right now. Now, that's very simple, we would argue. The, the more, much more complicated versions of it are these things called cognitive maps or um, basically cost-effect relationships that you can map out in terms of the belief systems of the industry participants, what they think is going on. The, the, these are the causes, these are the consequences. But to do that requires a lot of data, a lot of time and effort. So that tends to be small n. So you had a choice between the large n, simple, and complex small n. Now what we hope is that we can somehow straddle those two worlds by having a medium n, if not large n, because we did handle the entire universe of publicly traded firms in the U.S., but it's not nearly as complicated as those cognitive maps are yet. We're getting there. But for now, we think that we can push the envelope in terms of having large n, but still go detailed. That's where we think. So <clears throat> let's turn now to what are some of the, the implications for business practitioners of what you have learned? Why should... a busy executive who is involved in strategy, why should your research matter to her or him? So we actually believe there's a very big uh, set of implications that come from this. First of all, in my like limited experience talking to executives or even my students who do strategy for a living, it's, it's hard to keep track of all your competition who's doing what, where they are, what they're up to these days. Now, if we refine these techniques and build upon them and create a set of tools where you can actually visualize where you are in the strategy space with respect to everybody else and how that is changing over time. We already have a very, very simple version of that right now. And it's surprising some of the insights that come from that. For example, like in all the pretty much all strategy cases we use, um, Southwest Airlines as your classic example of a low-cost, highly focused position strategy. It's really good, great. But that analysis stopped as of 80s and the 90s. Well, what we see is that since the 90s and the 2000s in particular, Southwest has actually converged a lot more to the rest of the airline industry mm -hmm. than we thought. So they're not nearly as much of an outlier as they used to be because of their acquisition of AirTran. They actually spread their networks into Latin America as well as the East Coast much more. Atlanta is a major hub for them. So they're actually starting to converge more. But they're still different, and there is a performance gap because of that difference. But we can actually visualize that or how, say, Pepsi, when they acquired Quaker and, uh, and that started a trend of them diversifying into snacks and not just non-carbonated beverages, but food and whatnot, we can see that differentiation and change in focus in some of our metrics as well. So the hope is from a practitioner perspective, this can be a quick, almost like a dashboard to see, oh, what is my strategy? How does that compare to what the competition is doing on a few, what this field has argued to be very important dimensions on which you should be tra tracking these things? I guess for um, financial analysts who actually look into these corporate uh, reports, uh, I think our tool could be uh, a way to actually analyze uh, a large set of like companies that they actually don't have competence of understanding. So as Anoop just uh, uh, told us, uh, our our tool enables a uh, layperson to actually like like understand visually how firms compare to each other, and I believe that could be just a, 
a way for 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 these kind of like like uh, expert analysts to get an understanding of of the strategic landscape of uh, corporations. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that I find very interesting is the the way in which natural language processing and AI more broadly seem to be becoming more and more pervasive and the techniques are getting, the technology is getting better and better. Uh, as, this, as this process continues, what are some of the implications for the way in which firms could either formulate strategy or even better calibrate their strategy towards, uh, you know, better business outcomes? Great question. Something that uh, we definitely will be needing to think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. going forward as well. Some quick thoughts off the top of my head would be, ideally, these techniques would help us identify some of the core beliefs of the competition, how they are thinking about the world compared to how we are thinking about the world what areas seem to be exciting and why. And then, I mean, it doesn't need to be true, but at least you have an understanding of how they're thinking and why they're thinking. Because another stream of my research looks at cognitive biases and people's mental models and the amazing effect that it has on competitive outcomes without really understanding how competition is thinking about a certain situation. If you make your actions, the outcomes are going to be almost always off from what you expect. So how can we get inside their minds? Maybe some of these techniques might be helpful at getting at that, but then we get into questions of, okay, where are we going to get the data from? People don't really declare how they're thinking publicly, right? So that's where the back and forth in some ways is going to be. We're actually working with a computer science faculty member to try to tackle some of these issues as well in another project. Jehu? Yeah, on top of my head, I think... uh AI tools could be used to uh, ex- uh, sort of like discover patterns that we don't really uh, know about from 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 the, the data that are that we are like accumulating in our servers, right? So I believe that uh, by applying AI techniques, we may be able to answer questions that we haven't really thought about, and also find uh, new findings that we haven't actually figured figured out yet. So I guess those would be like the direction of a, like using an AI into business research and also in businesses as well. Great. Of all the things that you learned and discovered through your research, uh, what were some of the insights you gained that surprised you the most? Jeho? Why don't you first talk about it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky question because there's, a I guess, a deeper reason for it is that in this first paper the attempt was to to not create too many deviations, right? This is almost a a paper that is a proof of concept for the field mm-hmm. that, hey, the things that we've been talking about and we've been trying to do for decades, we can do it. And we can actually bring techniques from AI to actually demonstrate it. So many of the quote-unquote findings empirically that we have or the examples that we use are more to demonstrate that, hey, look, things that we knew, we can replicate using these new techniques. And so it is more of a translation and proof of concept attempt. So in that sense, the the meta implication or the finding that was uh, useful for us is that, hey, this is possible. Right. That this thing that we thought was so complicated 
And it is complicated. Strategy is extremely complicated. But we can actually start digging our teeth into that using even some very simple techniques. We're using vector space models, topic models. These are not the cutting edge necessarily of natural language processing right now. And yet, we're able to get some traction with that. And that, if anything, honestly, at least to me, was a surprising bit. I guess I also felt it the same way. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that these techniques work at all mm-hmm, in, in, in improving it. Yeah. That, 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 that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, so one, one last question for each of you, which is uh, based on what uh, you and your uh, uh, what you have learned through this research, what are some of the new questions for research that have come up in your mind that you would like to pursue in the future? Well, for me, there were a couple that immediately popped up. One is, especially if these tools can be refined, can we, in addition to that visualization, almost real time if we can, that we're talking about in terms of the competitive landscape, who is your competition, how are they changing, what are they up to, can we get deeper along the lines of what I said earlier in terms of understanding their cognition as well, understanding their decision-making process? Because it's almost like if you had a strategic advisor, that's what you would want them to be telling you. Like, oh, you know... Uh, given that you are, you know, you are Google, Facebook is thinking about AI in this particular way, and this is where they seem to be going based on what we can see. So, can we almost, you know, create these mental models from the text based on how companies are describing their world? Can we create cost-effect relationship maps and then use that for much more quant-type analysis going forward? Now, that would require actually us to develop new tools. And this is that project that I just mentioned earlier. We're working with a computer science professor to actually create these multi-level nested hierarchical concept structures is what we're calling them right now. We need a better word. Uh, But can we actually dig that out? That would be very useful. Right. I think the word was semantic networks. Excellent. Hierarchical nested semantic networks. Right, right. There we go. So I'm also interested in developing these more sophisticated tools to actually like get a more qualitative and conceptual like understanding uh, from the unstructured text that we are examining. So, uh, like uh, in the NLP world, uh, there are these sophisticated techniques called like named entity recognition, um, semantic networks as well and like text classification or something like that. So I'm interested in how we could actually apply these and, and tweak these uh, techniques uh, for our purpose and uh, create a more complicated and more sophisticated tool to understand strategy. Great. Well, Anup, Jehu, thank you so much for speaking to us at Knowledge at Wharton today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.